To running on ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Sydney Edwards, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, everything happening in the cold chain world. Now, if you know Running on Ice, the show and podcast, then you know Running on Ice, my newsletter. I write it every Wednesday and Friday, covering much of the same things we talk about here on the show. And so, before we get into our guest for the day, let's get into some headlines. Now, Americold and DP World have shaken hands on a new partnership. This is an investment in the global food supply chain to make the chain more resilient, efficient, and sustainable. In a news release, DP World says projects have already begun, working from Canada to the UAE, and that the strengths that both sides bring to the table will greatly improve global food flows. They are working on making distribution efforts fit a new standard from farm to fork. Americold CEO George Chappelle says, Both companies share similar values, and together they will be able to help customers feed the world with less waste and less cost. And a new cold storage warehouse will soon welcome product at Port Richmond. Inquirer reports that Freeze Pack, along with BG Capital, is opening a 172,000-square-foot facility at the port. This project will cost around $93 million and will bring over 60 jobs to the area. Applicants from Richmond and Harrogate are being looked at first for employment. FreezePack works primarily in food storage, and this site will be a place for companies to store product. Some of the companies FreezePack works with include Tyson Foods, Bird's Eye, and Restaurant Depot. Inquirer says the project is expected to be completed by the end of 2023. And Flowers Foods is expanding its portfolio with the purchase of Papa Pita Bakery. FoodBev reports that family-owned Papa Pita works out of a 270,000-square-foot facility and distributes bagels, tortillas, and other bread and bakery items under brands like Great Grains, Bubba's Bagels, and Maya's Tortillas. The company will stay in West Jordan, Utah, and Papa Pita says it shares similar ideals with Flowers Foods, and that's why this partnership is a great fit. The deal will close in early 2023, and FoodBev Foodbev, excuse me, says Flowers Foods expects to purchase Papa Pita using cash and existing credit. Now let's get to the fun stuff. Today I'm joined by Bill Catania. He's the founder and CEO of OneRail. Bill, how are you doing? Great. How are you today? I'm good. It's a happy Friday. You know, we're getting just even closer to the Christmas holiday. <laughs> Bill, I think you might have muted yourself during that. Oh. How about that? They're sorry about there that. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get to hear what you were saying about the holiday. Yeah. So, you know, all the hard work we've done the last six months or so uh, will hopefully result in a very smooth holiday season uh, in the last mile. As you know, we focus in the last mile at one rail and uh, this is uh, showtime right now. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Maybe you founded one rail. So what were you seeing a need for and how did you make that possible? Well, you know, I started OneRail as an unhappy customer. Um, you know, I went to a, a retail store that, that was a home improvement center to buy a refrigerator. Uh, my journey in logistics started there and in, in supply chain. And they told me it would take 10 days to get the refrigerator. So uh, I instantly started to try to find solutions that were kind of like Uber for delivery, Uber for moving. Couldn't really find anything where I was. And it, and it set me on this journey. And you know, we, we really, we started out back in early 2018 as an on-demand moving and delivery service, similar to Dolly, similar to Rody. Uh, did that for a couple of years. And then we realized 
that what we needed to do was really focus on becoming the full solution, the technology, the courier network, you know, and, and instead of being the courier, we needed to aggregate all the supply from sedans through box trucks and then provide a support layer uh, over the top of that to manage exceptions. Uh, delivery exceptions are a big problem. They plague about 10% of deliveries. You know, those are missing items, wrong addresses, damaged items, a uh, number of different things, late deliveries. Uh, so providing the technology, the supply of couriers, and the support is really what's made OneRail unique. And, and again, it all started with a bad customer experience, which led to us being you know, a digitally connected courier, which then led to what you see today as the full solution. I feel like that has to be the best way to start a company is to be the disgruntled customer <laughs> that is that sees the need for something to change because you have the passion then to make it work and work through the frustrations and come out with a successful product. Yeah, it absolutely, uh, it, it was the best, right? As, a, as an entrepreneur that's now started three companies, uh, this is the first one that I've started as a disgruntled customer. And, you know, it also was helpful that we, as a company, were a courier before we were a tech solution. Uh, the fact that we were able to go out, we knew what it's like to maintain relationships with drivers. We understand what it's like to not have enough volume, but to have too many drivers or vice versa, too much volume and not enough drivers. So to understand those nuances about being a courier has put us in a position to sort of aggregate and have relationships with all the couriers. Um, and that's probably been one of the more valuable lessons. Now, one of our Freight Waves editors unveiled an article just a couple weeks ago talking about a new Series B funding that OneRail participated in. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, we, and we broke it right on Freight Waves. That's where the news broke. Uh, so, yeah, OneRail, uh, you know, when we decided to stop being a courier and, and to start being what you now see as OneRail, that's when we started to move forward towards institutional you know, funding, VC funding, if you will. Uh, we started out by raising you know, some angel capital, uh, and, and that was very helpful to getting us started. But uh, it, was, it was February of 2020 uh, that we raised our first round of seed financing that was followed by kind of a secondary tranche of seed financing later in 2020 because COVID hit and we saw behaviors change. E-commerce went through the roof, stores uh, the only way you can buy from a store was through delivery for a couple months, if you remember. So we had customers like Menard's Home Improvement, where we saw a couple thousand percent increase in volume, which made it so we had to raise more capital to fuel the growth. And then that didn't stop. You know, as we got into 2021, we had some big customers like Advance Auto Parts and Tractor Supply Company that came online with, with thousands of stores that we launched. And we raised the Series A last August. And as we went forward from, from, you know, into 2022, you know, we've launched over 7,000 new stores this year alone. And that led to the growth with our Series B round. Um, so today we've raised around 54 million, you know, in a period of two and a half years. Um, we've done it in the great, you know, the, the pre-COVID economy. Uh, as we raised our first round, you know, one or two weeks before the COVID lockdown, we've raised during the COVID economy when VC was kind of, you know, touch and go. And then post COVID, there was the, the funding windfall. We've raised our series A during that period. And now we've raised in what I would call a bad economy. So it's been interesting for one rail. The common theme has been growth. We developed a solution that solves a problem. We didn't develop a solution to look for a problem. We developed a solution that solves a real problem. 
and that's led to our success in, in capitalizing the company and growing the company. 7,000 new stores. I mean, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for your growth. Do you think you're, you have a, another series of funding coming your way at some point? Yeah, in the startup world, you know, you're, you're always sort of having those conversations. But for now, we're really heads down. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're very well capitalized. We have a lot of growth in front of us with our current customers, let alone new ones. Uh, and what's exciting, and I think where you and I sort of met was uh, at the, the Freight Waves event earlier this year, uh, in Chattanooga, when I mentioned that OneRail is going to be getting into cold chain. So we're excited about cold chain. It's a new addition for us. You know, one of the reasons that you raise capital is so you can grow new lines of business. Uh, you can go in new geographies. You can buy companies. Uh, for us, going into some new lines of business, notably cold chain, is something we're real excited about. So Bill is correct. Um, the moment he said the word cold chain through his, it, I think it was, a, was it a demo or a fireside chat that you were doing? The moment yeah, he was, said the word cold chain, I ran to the stage and the second he walked off of it, I said, hey, I need you to come on the show. <laughs> I'm looking for guests. I need more people to talk about cold chain. And he immediately said yes, 100%. And that's how we are today. And talking about the series funding, as you mentioned, some of that money is going to be going to cold chain efforts. And I'd love to hear more about what you guys are expanding. Yeah, thank you, Sydney. And I, again, I appreciate your passion for cold chain because you know, we, we've had some amazing uh, early customers. And one of our early customers went on to be the chief supply chain officer of one of the largest wholesale food distribution companies on the planet. So that, that's really giving us an opportunity to have an entree you know, into the space. And, you know, what we're trying to do is really solve the problem, just like we did on the, you call it dry goods, uh, is the ability to have a more flexible, responsive, last mile fulfillment solution. And we're finding a lot of the same problems in cold chain that we have in dry goods. And we're following, to answer your question, we're following the same sort of recipe that we did to scale from literally like zero to 10 million drivers in two years in dry goods. We're using that same formula now to scale in cold chain. And the way it works, you know, first we have to have a customer. So we have our, we have our customer. Then you have to have geographies. You know, we have our initial geographies targeted. The next thing we do is we start to build supply. So the supply, we think of that as uh, assets. You know, so, so in our world, it's, de it's delivery companies. We don't work at the individual driver level. We work with delivery companies. So in the dry goods world, we do a lot of work with DoorDash and Lyft and you know, companies like Courier Express, Freight. Those are all companies that we work with, GoShare, Dolly. On the, on the, uh, the cold chain side, it's a, it's a different cast of characters. It's different partners. So at OneRail, we have about 130 team members. 100, or I'm sorry, 10 of those team members are focused every day of the week on identifying new sources of supply based on the geographies where we're going to do business, based on the capabilities that we need in that geography. So in this case, we need cold chain assets in Chicago and Dallas. You know, our team is out there uh, signing up new partners, getting them API connected so we can digitally dispatch to them and then track those deliveries, track those loads, just like we do dry goods. And then the third component is we work with them, we manage them, we train them. So if you're a courier in the OneRail network, we're working with you every day on the exact use cases that you're fulfilling for our customers. So if it's a wholesale food distributor, you know they're going to have some protocols that we need to follow. We make sure that our, our delivery partners 
are, are follow, following those those directions. And um, and that's how it works. So it really comes back to building the supply. And then secondly, making sure that we're continuing to add the right support in terms of exception management, because you have totally different exceptions in cold chain. You know, some are the same, like on time rate, stuff like that. But there's others where you start dealing with exceptions around temperature management that are totally different than things we see in the dry goods space. The technology doesn't change. That's what's really great about our platform. That's why we've been able to scale. We're doing 12 million data calls a minute right now, 2 million deliveries a month, uh, scaling to about 10 million deliveries a month by June. And we see cold chain as being very scalable in terms of our technology. Now, I could sit here and say that the demand is there for cold chain, and that's why so many companies are ramping up their efforts. But I'm curious how you would say you're seeing things, maybe why you decided your next move was going to be getting more into you know, temperature-controlled goods. Yeah. So it, what it comes back to is the fragility of supply. You know, supply is fragile. And all we heard about, you know, through the pandemic was driver shortage, driver shortage. One rail never had a driver shortage. And there were occasions where we doubled and tripled our volume sometimes month to month. And we saw no degradation in on-time rates or, or delivery success. And the reason why is the way the one rail model works, we, we may have 10 or 20 couriers in a market that can do business with us and we're able to redundantly call on them. So if, if we dispatch digitally, our API can recall that dispatch if, if, the, if the delivery company doesn't accept the delivery or if they accept it, but the driver doesn't start moving fast enough, we can, we can rescind that delivery with no human touch whatsoever. So the fact that we can modulate sort of supply and demand, that we have so much supply, is what makes our platform and our solution work. When it comes to cold chain, there's even more of a supply problem. And you start getting, because there's less assets that have the capabilities that are required to fulfill the customer promise. The limiting factor is temperature. You know, if you're delivering ice cream, you know, there's specific SLAs around uh, chamber temperature in the vehicle that are very different than what you'd even see in refrigerated. Uh, so we we look at that as a limiting factor, which which then we look at as an opportunity for us to provide competitive advantage by procuring as many assets as we can in a given geography. Um, stopping there for a second, you know what we're doing. Brian Strait wrote a great article at FreightWaves about what we're doing in the first quarter that really is the strategy behind our cold chain. And that's internal fleet sharing. So if you take a fleet that may have a thousand vehicles and they're all refrigerated, um, and let's say it's a a retailer and maybe there's a wholesale product distributor that has a need for even more trucks, but they, they don't have access to those trucks. What we're doing is we're making it possible for companies that own their own trucks that are, that are not commercially serving like a carrier, you know, again, it's a wholesale product distributor, it's a retailer, it's a product manufacturer, to put their assets in the OneRail platform and then share those assets with other companies uh, that fit the profile of who they want to work with. So they, that, that way they're not serving competitors, you know, they're not uh, products that would, would not be food safe. So that's what our platform does is it weeds through all that. So unlocking new supply in the cold chain happens with what we call fleet sharing or interoperability between fleets. I'm so glad you brought this up because it was going to be my next uh, topic to touch on because I think it's so interesting. It's it's almost just a way for folks in the industry to share 
for one. Um, build more rapport and networking, but also make money while they're doing it. Because if a truck is sitting alone, it's of no use, right? And especially when it comes to refrigerator units, uh, like you mentioned, that's what matters. And that is what is on short supply in moving trucks. So I'm just like, why hasn't somebody else maybe thought of this? Or, or what has been the hassle of starting something like this? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I ask myself whenever I whenever I start a startup, why hasn't somebody, because I'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room. So somebody else certainly could have thought of it. But I think what's enabled OneRail to do it, you know, it's one thing to think of it. It's another thing to do it. And the reason we can do it is we have the delivery operating system that's the system of record for deliveries and shipments that, that our customers use. So we have that data and we know what an order looks like. We have the construction of that order right down to the item level, down to the UPC level. We see pallet buildouts. We know what's on the pallet. Because we have such finite data, we're able to use that data to match the delivery or shipment to the right asset. So now imagine we have all this data over here from our shipper customers. Over here now, we have fleets that are underutilized that are going into the platform. And, and we're going to do exactly what we did in matching that the delivery to a third-party courier, except we're just doing it now at an asset level for our customers, who a lot of them are between 25 and 35% utilized. There's tons of utilization uh, to be consumed. There's tons of supply to be unlocked. And it's really the fact that we're in the middle with the right data, the right technology, the matching algorithm to match supply and demand, and then the humans to manage it. And I just feel like um, if, if I go back in time, to my previous startup I did, which was in the digital couponing space, I came into that industry 10 years too late. I was, the, you know, t 10 years in is when I showed up. But we built the technology and the right go-to-market strategy to win the market. And today that solution does 70% of the volume. I feel like OneRail has been a real similar journey. You know, last mile has been going on since the milkman. You know, last mile, cold chain's been going on since the milkman. So all we've done is come in and say, hey, there's a better way to stitch together the technology, the supply, the people to provide a completely seamless end-to-end -end solution that nobody's seen before. We could have had the coolest milk trucks, like driving up and down <laughs> everyone's street. Like that's, that's all you have me thinking about now is how cool a little refrigerated Sprinter van even would have been in everybody's neighborhood. <laughs> I, I am just, just old enough to remember the milkman. I, I remember oh my goodness. Like the <laughs> mid to early 80s, the milkman coming to my grandma's house. And it's funny because when I become a student of anything I do, I go deep. And the milk, the milkman is where it all started, right? When it comes to home delivery, it really, it really was the pioneering moment for last mile. So for your clients that work in the fleet sharing, the truck sharing, I'm curious what you've heard from them, if they thought this was an interesting concept and how things have been going when it comes to those clients. Oh, so we've we've actually gone out and, and done this. We've done it without having a UI. We've done it without having it operationalized so that a terminal uh, manager or a warehouse manager or somebody that manages transportation in a warehouse or a store can put their assets into the platform with or without a driver. That's the other side of it. So you get into complexities. You know, as we started talking to our customers, some of them would raise their hand and say, hey, I'd love to do this, but I can't provide the driver. 
That's fine because we have access to drivers. Some of them would say, well, we'd love to provide the drivers because we have drivers that want to earn more and work different shifts. And, you know, it would give us an opportunity to provide the labor and the and the, the truck. So as we went out and started talking to our customers, first of all, most of our customers, it's about 50-50, have fleets versus don't. The ones that have fleets, you know, are leaning in real hard saying, hey, you can have access to my vehicles. They don't even move between 7 p.m. and, and 5 a.m. You know, we, we're all in. So it gave us the confidence to put uh, this fleet sharing on our roadmap. But then as we started to look at it, cold chain was also on our roadmap. And again, there's a there's a real shortage of capacity and, and assets in cold chain. So we think one feeds the other really well. Uh, but we don't have a customer that owns their own trucks that aren't interested in somehow participating in terms of providing their trucks as supply. And like I said, we've already been doing it with a couple of them. The biggest thing that we've been told that we have to do is make sure, you know, if it's a Pepsi truck, that there's no Coke on it. <laughs> or if it's a, you know, if it's a Coke truck, vice versa. Um, if there's a food safe product, you know, that there can't be auto parts, you know, that were previously on that vehicle. So the, the complexities that have to be taken into, a, into consideration can only really be sorted out by technology platform. And if you look at what OneRail does, we're in the business of matching. You know, from day one, we've been matching deliveries to the right network based on size, complexities, and cost. Now we're just adding some other factors, you know, uh, food safe or not, if there's competitive restrictions, stuff like that. And uh, that's, but yes, they're all leaning in. They all saw an immediate need uh, for them to, to get better use out of their fleets and, and thus, you know, turn a, a cost center into a profit center. And you leaning into the cold chain world, Bill, where do you see things heading when it comes to cold chain? It could be the technology. It could be the market of it all, demand. What do you see happening? You know, it's similar to what we've seen in the, in the dry space. Um, <clears throat> I think it, with, a, with a more flexible and responsive more robust, uh, nimble solution. Uh, it allows wholesalers, I think, to get more creative with their service offerings. They can start to offer more expedited services. Uh, they can start to offer, maybe even reach some markets where they, they couldn't have reached before. So for example, if I'm a food distributor and I have 10,000 semi-trucks, you know, I'm probably not thinking as much about bodegas and smaller uh, outfits. I'm, I'm maybe servicing larger customers. I think this allows larger distributors to be able to get down to more granular distribution opportunities. Not only granular because we can downsize the vehicle with our network uh, and our flexibility in building our network, but to also uh, be able to offer service levels that weren't available before, whether it be same hour, same day, three hour, um, that's really what we've done in the dry space is we've enabled our customers to build their own SLAs, to be able to expand their distribution radius. Um, and that's kind of the way I see this too. It's really not that much different, just taking into account that extra dimension of temperature in the chain of custody. Bill, thank you so much for joining the show today. And I'm curious, anything else that OneRail is looking forward to in the future, anything we should be looking out for? Well, you know, we're, we're pretty excited about, uh, you know, this post B series B world because we have a lot of opportunities in front of us. The biggest thing we have to do is be really careful about the shots we take. You know, we've talked a lot about cold chain. Another thing we're doing is we're getting ready to launch 
uh, our Shopify uh, integration into the market, which lets a one store operator have access to one rail. And that's pretty exciting. I mean, our customers are mo- mostly Fortune 500 customers that are doing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of deliveries a year. But now to be able to make you know, our 10,000 drivers available to a one store operator in Des Moines, Iowa or Boise, Idaho, uh, with the flip of a switch, uh, that's something that hasn't happened before. And for us, we're excited about the scale it's going to drive. But, and we're also excited how we can provide small merchants with the ability to leverage a big network, a big enterprise network. Bill Catania, CEO and founder of OneRail, thank you so much for joining. I'll be excited to see how the cold chain expands under your helm. Thank you, Sydney. I appreciate it. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. Now, for anybody looking to see this interview once more, you can find it in my newsletter. I'll be posting it there, adding a link there. You can also check it out at FreightWaves.com. And don't forget, I do have my newsletter coming out tonight at 7 p.m. We're going to get over some of these headlines. We're going to talk more about what Bill had to say today. So stay tuned. Next week, I will actually have KLLM Transportation with me. 